our $50. Name the artist of the tune. A long time ago. You can't hear the music? Nope. <laughs> I can't hear it at all. All right. <laughs> then we'll give you $25. Uh, that was, um, it was uh, uh, Howlin' Wolf, yeah. Killing Floor. Yeah, it was just a live rendition. Just a live rendition? All right, so uh, that's the way you bring in a show, man, right there. Yeah. With uh, music that the, uh, that the guests can't hear. Good <laughs> morning. Uh, you are listening to This American Podcast Comedy Edition. I'm Tony Visick. Coming to you uh, live from ComedySchoolsRadio.com, high above Scottsdale in the ComedySchools.com studios on the second coolest corner in all of Scottsdaleville, Goldwater and Camelback, where we have two guests who are currently performing at the coolest corner in all of Scottsdaleville, Scottsdale and Shea, Dean Delray, and Chris, your last name again is? It's Christian Spicer. Christian Spicer. We knew that. We were seeing if you knew your own name. Sometimes. It depends how early it is. (laughs) Good morning, gentlemen. What's happening? How you doing, man? I'm good, man. We were talking uh, right before we came on. We, you and I were talking music because you are originally a musician. That's correct, man. 25 years, played rock and roll. And you're uh, you're from San Francisco? Yep. Grew up hating the Grateful Dead? Yep. And now love the Grateful Dead? Absolutely. So what was the, uh, uh, what was the big transition? Old. Old? <laughs> <laughs> Just getting old, man. <laughs> you know, man. Traffic. Uh, excellent music to listen to in traffic does make me want to kill people. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just sitting there, cruising. Uh, Actually, the real transition is, um, you know, when I was growing up in San Francisco, it was just kind of, there was a dead scene, there was a rock scene, there was a metal scene with Metallica and stuff, and I gravitated more towards Metallica and and, uh, that kind of scene. Sure. Uh, The dead scene, to me, was a scene for older people. Yeah. And uh, also, it was in my face all the time, tie-dye, and and I need a miracle, and all that stuff, and I was just like, oh. But, um, you know, uh, I also hated Springsteen when I was younger, and I worship him now, so it's just a a palate thing, you know? You think it's like a a kid thing? Like, uh, when I was a kid, I I didn't like, uh, because my dad, like, Jerry Lewis and Elvis, and, and I didn't like any of them, and then when I got older, I went... Wow, this shit is great. This is fantastic well, stuff. I think, I think that's what's great about music. If you discovered it and liked it all right uh, when you were you know, young, you would have nothing to listen to on the back end of your life. Yeah. It'd yeah. be burnt on it all. So yeah. you started out in the metal scene. We have some friends. Uh, the bass player from uh, Megadeth is a good friend of ours. Oh, yeah. Dave yeah. Ellison. He's Dave, a great guy. He is a great guy. I uh, met him last year at the NAMM show. Really good guy. He's uh, currently producing a uh, girl teenage metal punk band out of Europe and uh, wrote me the other day and wants to bring them in studio to uh, perform, so we're looking forward to that. Yeah, that's cool. Does he live out here? He does, yeah. He lives in Scottsdale. Sure. And uh, we were looking at your bio and uh, on your podcast. Yeah. Because you have a podcast. You want to mention your podcast? Let There Be Talk. It's on iTunes and uh, SoundCloud and allthingscomedy.com. It's free, and it's... uh, it's blowing up right now. Excellent, excellent. You uh, you uh, interviewed someone from the Sex Pistols. Yeah, I've had a, I've had most of my idols on there, which is pretty amazing. But yeah, Steve Jones was on. Jones is a buddy of mine. Sure. Yeah, yeah, I had yeah. him on early on. He is uh, a funny dude, man. He's hilarious. He could easily be a comedian. Well, I met uh, Steve in the '80s, and we were we became, and all I knew is that he was an out of work musician, and he was in. Uh, Tony Sales Band, if you know who Tony Sales yep. is. Yeah, from the Sales. Uh, was that the Sales uh, guys? Tony Sales and Hunt Sales. Yep. Soupy Sales yep. Sons, yep. Comic yeah. Sons. 
and they uh, most notable for uh, being the rhythm section for David Bowie's Tin Machine. Yeah, that was a great tour. Yeah. They had a band put together called Checkered Past in the eighties, right? And I think it was uh, uh, Michael Perret. No, not Michael Perret. Uh, Michael DeBar. I remember that band. Yeah, and um, so I got to know Jonesy, and we were friends, and he was funny, and we cracked each other up. But I did not know his pedigree, and one day, and we used to always talk music. And one day, we were at lunch. And people are walking up, like almost like they're walking up to the Pope, asking for his autograph. Yeah. And I said to him, I go, who are you, man? Yeah. yeah. And he goes, well, you know, I was in a, a band that was kind of famous in the 70s, but I don't want to mention it to you because when we talk about music, I thought you probably wouldn't like the band. It'd be embarrassing. Uh, and I go, what was the band? He goes, it was a Sex Pistols. Yeah. So, yeah. There's nothing embarrassing about that. No. It's not like it's Flock of Seagulls or something, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I mean, I mean, that's like one of the most groundbreaking bands. They still sell records every day right now, and you hear them all day, every day on the radio. You know, they probably make, uh, especially then, they were still, uh, he and uh, uh, Johnny, and they were all still in lawsuits with Malcolm, and uh, they were broke, Yeah, you know, but they probably made more money, uh, quite a bit more money, you know, in the uh, uh, in the eighties and nineties and now than they ever made in their in their heyday, which was really brief. When you think yeah. about the Sex Pistols, yeah, it's one record. Yeah, you know, it's one record. It's like one tour or whatever, and then they're done. You know, tell me about your musical career for a little bit, because then we would get into how that how that morphed over into comedy. Yeah, I played music twenty five years. I had a record out. Uh, Linda Perry from the Four Non Blondes signed me. Yeah, and uh, did a record, and uh, they were a San Francisco band, correct? That's Fortnite right. One? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great group. She's uh, a lot of people always say like, "What happened to her?" But she wrote some of the biggest hits in the world in the last fifteen years. She wrote the uh, Pink record with uh, that uh, "Get the Party Started." Yeah, she wrote that entire record. She uh, did Christina Aguilera's "I Am Beautiful." Uh, she found uh, uh, numerous musicians and signed them, and and huge, huge songwriter. Now. You know, there are people like that in the world that people don't actually realize. I, I, I've told people, I go, there are people who live on islands. Yeah. They own islands. And yeah. when, when there's a, uh, a new artist that comes along that the record companies or, or a large, uh, powerful management company go, this person could be the next big thing. They contact these people and go, this is a talented person. We think they're going to be a star. And we need to either write with them or for them. So, uh, so yeah. she's become one of those. Well, she uh, she's a songwriter. You know, she writes hits and uh, and she finds people she thinks that uh, she has chemistry with. And then uh, she she had a show on VH1 this year where she was looking for a new star and and uh, there was like ten people. It's kind of like uh, America's Got Talent, but uh, but way better. You know, like real real yeah. musicians and stuff. She brought him in the studio, and then the winner got a record deal, and that person's doing big right now. You know, not to uh, cast aspersions on shows like The Voice and America's Got Talent. We have friends who are involved with those uh, businesses, but do you think like a uh, um, do you think like a Bob Dylan would have made it through and nope. America's Got Talent? No, because no. They, they're just looking for the vanilla. You know what I mean? It's like uh, they're just looking for that 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 perfect looking and sounding, and you know whatever machine they can. Uh, sell it the easiest on yeah and i think that's what most of america really only can grab onto i mean look i love music and i didn't like the grateful dead yeah you know uh so i think it has to be hit over their head you know really easy like a like something they just understand right out of the gate you're only seeing these people for a couple minutes a week yeah you know so it has to be uh familiar 
So uh, what instrument did you play? Or did you play... Uh, I played guitar and sang. Uh, you know, kind of... Uh, record was kind of, the records are kind of uh, alt-country, kind of rock. Kind of... Outlaw country? Or? No, alt-country. Kind of like Ryan Adams meets Springsteen, Black Crows. Good. Tom Petty. Good. Like that, yeah. Anything like... Well, like Hank Williams III yeah. plays both. That's different, though. He plays kind of metal. He's metal country, now, yeah, yeah metal yeah. and country, and and it's almost like it's almost like two different characters. Yeah, I feel uh, bad, Christian. We're not uh, we're not asking you a damn thing. Yeah, and, man, uh, and that's wrong. Well, you can't feel bad when you're the reason for your own bad feelings. You know what I mean? So <laughs> uh, don't put that on me. <laughs> no, I'm gonna I'm gonna put it on you. I'm okay, gonna, great. I'm not I'm not gonna own my own shit. There's no way. <laughs> no way. I'm gonna deflect and deny until uh, I die. So tell us about yourself, man. You played bass with um, Foghat. Well, I was actually in the Grateful Dead <laughs> for the first run. Uh, <laughs> Here's the original Phil Yeah, <laughs> people don't know that actually. When they started bringing two drummers, I was actually the third drummer. But third I was drummer. just in the back, so no yeah. one really ever saw me. I was a pop punk kid. Yeah. Um, I did a lot of work with Drive Through Records uh, when I was living in Houston and helped with their distro and kind of started a street team and then did a lot of like concerts and promotions and like actually getting their discs back when things were still discs out to places in the country where it didn't happen before so it's bands like newfound glory basically everything that sprung up after blink 182 or around the same time and then some more actual punk stuff like bad religion no fx but that's what got me through like uh high school was uh whiny white kids <laughs> they had for uh, for many years of course one of the most um vibrant and revolutionary stand-up comedy scenes in america came out of houston because yeah. that's where uh Sam and Bill and all those guys came from. Did you start in Houston? No, I didn't start stand-up until San Diego. Uh, and so, unfortunately, when I went back to Houston after doing it, Houston has a good scene now, but there was a real lull where, like, uh, all the clubs kind of went out of business. There was yeah. a, there was uh, an improv that's still there, but it was kind of out in the suburbs, and it was just very different than the old comedy stop. And uh, the spots that used to exist were Bill and even Sam were really like making great shit well yeah there was a woman named sharon menzel who's um very unheralded in the history of stand-up comedy who had a comedy workshop sam heard about the comedy workshop he was living in oklahoma and went i'm gonna go there i'm gonna learn how to be a comic i don't want to be a preacher and uh went down there and did that workshop and sharon really gave a space for for uh, uh sam and bill and and guys whose names you don't know who had great careers who are now maybe on the other side of those careers, uh, uh, Riley Barber, and, of course, Ron Schock passed away. So it was a great scene. I actually did a Showtime special in Houston That's awesome. a long time ago. So, uh, But we haven't been there in years. Yeah. But so both of you came from the music world and yeah. then came over to stand-up. So, yeah. Dean, how did, that, how did that metamorphosis happen for you? Well, I played music uh, my whole life. Yeah. You know, and uh, it went from making a... A pretty good living to making no money once the, <laughs> yeah. once the de- people are stealing music it was over and uh, I tried to go it as long as I could the last five years and then uh, I tapped out it was over and, and you know I was uh, 44 years old I had to get a job so yeah. I was working at Harley Davidson and uh, Tarantino was making a movie and they came in and asked if I'd help with the movie, and then I got a role in the movie, and from there I got a role in an Ice Cube movie. I started doing movies just out of nowhere. And on that Ice Cube movie, there's two comedians, Garrett Morris from Saturday Night sure. Live, the original uh, first few seasons, and then another guy named Earthquake. So Yeah, Earthquake's a great stand-up comic. Yeah, great. So it was an Ice Cube movie, and... Uh, 
we're sitting in the bleachers for two months in Shreveport, <laughs> being these kind of guys like, looks like she got it in the nuts, you know, that kind of stuff. <laughs> and then uh, I started talking to Earthquake. I was like, I really want to do comedy, I think. And he's like, yeah, get out of here, man. You know, you're too yeah. old. <laughs> yeah. But after a while, he could tell I was serious. He gave me some pointers, and I got home. I hit the open mics, and uh, I didn't miss a day for two, three years straight. I'm six years in now. So you started in San Francisco? No, no, I started in L.A. You were living in Los Angeles. Ago, yep. What yep. part of Los Angeles do you live in? I live in, uh, currently, for the next four days, I live in Beachwood <laughs> Canyon. Yeah. I did the Hollywood sign, but I got to move now. So that sucks. Is it a warrant situation? <laughs> no, no the, I've lived in this uh, house for 11 years, and the owner's daughter had a baby, and they're moving her in. Ah. So I'm coming from a... Uh, uh, 13 years ago, kind of rent with rent control, and I'm yeah. getting into 2015 rent. And as an artist, that doesn't work. <laughs> Beachwood Canyon's a great spot. It's incredible. It's uh, it is the really a place other than San Francisco that felt like home, and now it feels like more home than ever. You know? Yeah, it's one of the original. Uh, it was one of the original developments in Hollywood when they were. Building Hollywood when all of a sudden, wait a minute, this movie thing's going to happen, yep. and we need houses. A lot of people don't know that the original Hollywood sign, more people know, like a friend of mine, Rich Scheidner, um, um, uh, our other uh, intern who we didn't think was going to make it in because of his birthday yesterday, Rob, standing out in the... Uh, Happy what, he's birthday. Green. He's green. Uh, yeah. So Christian and uh, Dean, uh, that's Rob, uh, the intern, Rob... Uh, uh, He's actually green. We didn't get her name either, though. It's Sarah. Sarah, how are you? Do you work here, or what do you do? Yeah, I work here. Oh, cool. Yeah, Yeah, they all all work here after a fashion. Rob, it was Rob's birthday yesterday, and when we asked him what he was going to do, he said he was going to get wrecked on Mill. Did I? Yeah, and uh, um, we were. We told him we could have the day off. Yeah, wrecked on Mill. Well, there's a street called Mill oh. right next to Arizona State University that has a number of uh, uh, night spots and eateries. I thought it was a drug. I hadn't heard you. <laughs> yeah, like, I gotta try that out tonight. <laughs> you got any Mill? Nah, let's do some Mill, bro. Let's do some Mill. <laughs> so he said he wouldn't make it in, and we said, "Well, you don't have to come in." But um, have you been to bed? Kind of. Kind yeah. of. <laughs> Did you do any coke? Did not. No cup? No. Heroin? No. Speed? Uh, no. No. Man. Molly? What Molly? Uh, did not. Sexy co eds? No. <laughs> Sexy co ed cheerleaders? <laughs> I uh, I sometimes feel a little um, left out. I stopped doing drugs 30 years ago. And they keep coming out with new drugs. And they go, oh, I probably missed that drug. And then, then you research it and find out it's just a new name for a drug you used to do. Yeah. 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 I don't do drugs anymore, but I did a lot of them. Yeah, yeah. So how long have you been? I'm not sober or anything. I yeah. just, uh, I just wanted to do something with my life. <laughs> you know, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, all right. But uh, actually, I mean, I like coke a lot. But when you're old, you can't do coke. It just your heart will pop. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's uh, that's just. That's a young man's drug. I think they should ID you when you buy coke. <laughs> when you buy coke? Uh, yeah, you're 41. This is for 25 and under. Get out. <laughs> I uh, I had uh, drug dealers in the past go tell them I'm going to sell. I, I used to tell drug dealers, I'd go, all right, I'm going to lay out, lay off for a couple of days. I'm going to dry out. So if I call you, don't sell me any or I'll kill you. Yeah. And they'd go, okay. And then I'd call them like next day going, I know I said I'd kill you if you sell me drugs, but if you don't, yeah. I will kill you. <laughs> so. <laughs> 
Christian, you look like a, a drug addict. You look like <laughs> a, a heroin addict, maybe. Jazz fan, Miles Davis kind of guy. I've never done anything. Uh, yeah, he's I'm, straight, man. I'm straight edge without ever identifying a straight edge. It's just kind of like looking back on it, I know why. Uh, like my grandfather was killed by a drunk driver. A lot of my mom's friends were killed by drugs. So like there were these influences in my life growing sure. up. But I just never like felt, I do enough stupid shit as it is. Where yeah. I was like, how could I even do more stupid shit? Like let's figure, and then I just spend all my money on video games. So, you know, we all have our so addiction. So that, that's your drug, man. That's, that's it, man. That's you, it. You, ever get, you get pissed off and people, you'll tell something you really enjoy. Well, that's your drug. Uh, yeah. I agree. It is. Uh, 100%. <laughs> your drug is going to the gym and eating vegan, man. That's yeah. your drug. <laughs> My drug's motorcycles, man. You're a motorcycle <laughs> guy. I am. So, you're. I mean, you are, you're like a classic Renaissance guy. San Francisco dude, man. Yeah, man. Yeah. You, you know, it's because uh, the Hells Angels were out of uh, San Francisco. Well, they originally were out of... Um, <laughs> Uh, I think Riverside. Riverside, yeah. Yep. San Bernardino, then, then Oakland, and then Oakland. Yep. So, do you know those guys? Have you hung out with those uh, guys? I don't uh, talk Dean about cannot them answer this question. <laughs> uh, any further questions? I don't talk about motorcycle clubs. You know, <laughs> you don't. You don't mention organizations nope. or groups. Not at all. The only one I'll talk about was on a TV show that is no longer on the air. Sam Crow. They are safe to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it just it, it goes to prove Kurt Sutter. Yeah. Who uh, uh, created Sons of Anarchy? The new show got canceled. Got canceled. But <coughs> uh, the word is that he canceled it. Yeah, he did. That he, he went, no one's watching it, I'm not going to do it. Well, that show took a lot of work to do, man. They're over in, I believe, Ireland shooting this thing. And, uh, you know, you, it's not just like a, a normal show. It's a, a dense show to write. It's all medieval time stuff. Yeah. And you got horses and cannons and all i mean you got a crew over there that want to come home if no one's watching it yeah you know yeah. it's like let's go and you know uh there's a lot of that kind of show out sam crow uh, sons there was there was nothing like that out no it was very exciting when you when you first heard they were going to make this this show yeah you know uh and i liked the show and i knew i knew a lot of people on the show but after a while you know, there's there's a theory that uh, uh, if, if you're in the television business, that after five years you're you're out of ideas. Yeah, it's like they had to really fight David Chase to make uh, um, uh, the Sopranos more than five years. Yeah, because they said, well, it's a money maker. He goes, I think I'm out of ideas. Well, that's the thing. I felt that Breaking Bad should have ended on the uh, fourth season instead of the fifth. Yeah, I thought it was the most genius ending of a TV show I've ever seen. I don't know. If, have you seen it? I, yeah, we watched all of Breaking Bad. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, the scene where uh, the cop opens the book, sees WW. Yeah. And then the set at the same time, you see Walter next to that plant, you know, and you see the name of the plant. It wraps it all up, man. It you did. Know? It and did. And it was some of the most creative writing I've ever seen in my life. You're like, wow, that was it. It was. It was. There was. There was a. There was a great episode. I mean, I'm kind of glad they continue. I like the the final, the ending. Yeah. You know, Walter there. You know, next to his little meth machine, he's dying. He just kind of touches it. Yeah, you know? but it, it it seemed like outside. I mean, it seemed like it was too obvious. Like it wrapped everything up for people, and I don't. I don't think you need everything spelled out to you. Well, can we dive into the Breaking Bad spoiler rabbit hole then? Because my favorite theory is that everything that happens after he falls asleep in the car (laughs) is a a dream. Yeah. Because after that point, everything goes his way. (laughs) And in real life, what happens is that he falls asleep in the car and the cops come and he gets arrested. But this is like his dying kind of fever dream where after that point, everything is fantastic. 
and no nothing else in the show ever works out that way for him. This is your belief. That's not my. Well, I enjoy it, but you I enjoy do not it? take credit. Do for Do you think it. they should have maybe done some black and white episodes, some musical <laughs> episodes? Well, I think Walt should have had a baby in season three, and then maybe just like brought in a crazy uncle or something like that. I wish and, Walt uh, would have started using. Sure. That would have yeah. been interesting yeah. to me because then you start to see how a guy fucks up. Yeah. You know what I mean? Not only is he oh, greed, <laughs> but now he's a drug addict, yeah. you know, and all drug addicts go down from their they own do. mistakes, you know? Yeah. So then it would be so realistic, you know? But it's a lot like Inception. It's one of my favorite movies because everybody has their own theory on it at the end. So if you would have ended on the fourth season of Supra- I mean, of uh, Breaking Bad, everybody would be wondering, like, what happened to the hit guy in the desert and what... What about uh, Gina, Jesse, and what you know what I mean? It's all yeah. these cool things you could you could imagine with your mind, you know. So I don't know. It's a great show. Though. It was one of the top five shows ever made. There's few shows. Maybe it's as, as you uh, you know as time goes by, or maybe it's just you know what's going on creatively. Few shows where you go, I gotta watch this show. I gotta watch it in real yep. time. I gotta be home for it. It makes the hair in the back of my uh, head stand up. That was one of those shows. I'm really enjoying Better Call Saul. Yeah. I like that quite a bit. I haven't seen it at all. Yeah. I won't spoil it for you, but it's yeah. all in black and white and it's musical. Yeah. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's dancing. <laughs> if you know anything about the business, Breaking Bad, I don't know how it ever got made because when you go in to pitch to executives, you know, the first thing you say is like, well, the lead character has cancer. That's strike one. They're like, no one <laughs> wants to watch cancer. Uh, the second thing is his son is autistic. And, uh, oh, strike two, no one wants to see that. Third thing, it's all about crystal meth. You would, I don't know. There's no way that show should have got made. You know how I would have pitched it if I were pitching it, and I don't know if it's that I pitched it because uh, um, I like to always kind of dig in and go, where did this come from? Where did the idea come from? I would have said it's Jekyll and Hyde on speed because yeah. it basically is. Yeah. It, it is Dr. Jekyll. It, it's Jekyll and Hyde. Because there's Walter White, you know, the milk toast um, um, yeah. science teacher, yeah. and then there's Walter White. I mean, the Walter White, you, you realize that a part of it is is absolutely uh, um, a fiction that can't even be reached. That a man who is that milk toast could go bad yeah. and could do horrible things, but go bad and be that much of a genius at it to go from being a high school science teacher to basically being the godfather of amphetamines yeah. for, the, uh, for speed for the Southwest. That was a little bit of a reach, and I think that was really uh, uh, part of the, the great writing of the show is that we followed that, that we jumped that shark. Yeah. But he wasn't a milk to science teacher, though, right? He was number three in one of the largest pharmaceutical companies in the world that then felt burned and shifted out of his stake. So everything after that was seeking approval. And then as he watched his wife take over more of the role of the family life and the students care less about him, it drove him to a breaking point, yeah. at which point he broke bad that was in the hollywood reporter and tooth no i'm just kidding uh, also, <laughs> also no, no one likes a smarty pants no <laughs> one, also you gotta understand is uh that and we were just talking about it with uh, what were we talking about with the power people get crazy with power oh yeah and it just destroys them what was it oh fuck that was like two weeks ago right <laughs> yeah, I don't but, but you know <laughs> I mean, tour together i mean you you get addicted to power yeah. You know, and uh, and that's why a lot of people go for politics and stuff. They think it's the ultimate power, you know. And they get in there and they realize they have no power. It, <laughs> it's really a pain in the ass. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah, man, it's uh, power and money and greed, man, you know. Takes everybody down. It's so also a great show on Fox called Empire. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's what that show's about, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. How are money, greed, and the music business. Now, we haven't had a chance to, you know, after a while, you go, there's only so many shows I can get strung out on. <laughs> you know? And I don't so watch that's any your shows. Drugs. It's weird. You don't watch any shows? I don't. It's it, until somebody absolutely pounds it down on me. Because I don't want to get invested in, and it just uh, goes a season or something, and it's out of there. That happens a lot, yeah. yeah people yeah. are like, you got to see this. And the bars race so high, high from Sopranos and then Breaking Bad that I watched them, and I go, eh. Not a Game of Thrones guy? No, nah, I got shit to do, man. I work seven nights a week doing <laughs> comedy. You know what I mean? It's like... Don't DVR it? I don't even have a TV. You don't have a TV? No, I, I watch stuff on the computer. So you're like really like you're in Beachwood Canyon without a TV. Uh, man, I was like wearing flowing robes like Brando. Is that what you're doing? No, I just care about stand-up. That's all I care about. Yeah. Who do you like now? I mean, so you've been doing it for six years. Yeah. You hopped in 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 uh, one of the tougher places to start. The hardest. Los Angeles, because that's where the best of the best from all over the country moves to make it in show business. Yep. So how did that all take place? Well, once I started doing comedy, uh, I was doing open mics in LA every day and then eventually I got to the comedy store after about a year and uh and then it was like uh what you know it felt like home comedy stores completely outlaw it really represents uh the Sunset Strip from the 70s and 80s still yeah, uh, it hasn't changed. The building's painted <laughs> black. You pull well, up, it Mitzi looks, painted it black. Yeah, in the black, late seventies. Yeah, yeah. And she and thought that would uh, be unique. It's covered in uh, the most famous names in the comedy world. My name's painted on the wall there. You got a good location. I got. From you got the, great real estate. I'm on the front of the uh, building, right on the dead front. Uh, but there's only been four hundred and. 72 or 427 people ever uh, passed there and painted on there. So yeah. to be on there is like a beyond honor and and only the best work in there. Every night it's Rogan, it's Bill Burr, it's it's uh, Sebastian, it's it's Mark Maron, uh, Louis C.K., Louis C.K., Chris Rock. Sure. You know, yeah. they're all coming Bobby in there. Lee. Bobby Lee. Yeah, yeah everybody's just works there you know well what she's uh, what mitzi's always been able to do and occurred you guys at the laugh factory and i should bring that back in that uh you can see both these uh very funny and very smart well-read and in-depth guys uh at the uh, scottsdale laugh factory all weekend two shows tonight two shows tomorrow one show sunday get information about that scottsdale laugh factory.com at scottsdale laugh factory.com we were hoping harry would come in today Harry, uh, Harry Basil. Yeah. But um, he's probably passed out. Uh, for real, though, that this Scottsdale Laugh Factory is an incredible room. Yeah. Holy crap. Sure. We yeah. were talking that, I guess, they, you know, they built it just for this. It was an old uh, ballroom or whatever. It is beautiful. It yeah. is really, really nice. Yeah, man. And, you know, a lot of times building a comedy club, you don't, I mean, there's very few uh, clubs that were built for comedy, uh, one of them being the uh, comedy Denver Comedy Works. Sure. Uh, the woman that owns it, Wendy, she knows what she was doing. She knows exactly how to build a club because you could build a club not knowing what you're doing and you get on stage and you can't hear the laughs. <laughs> yeah. You know, because of the room. People don't understand that mechanics, but you can get on stage and see them laughing and you can't hear them because the ceiling's too high. Correct. Or the room's way too big or they're way down in a, like a deep pit and you're way up high. Uh-huh. So the laughs are going right into the stage. There's all these uh, 
these uh, mechanics of building a place to where you're like, and these guys nailed it. Like, I went on stage last night, and I was like, wow, this room sounds great. It's got, you know, they got uh, fantastic acoustics. They got a great sound system. They also were uh, avoided something I see, so many uh, neophyte. The guys who go, comedy looks like fun, and they decide to open a club. Yeah. It's like guys who sit at a bar all day drinking and going, <laughs> I could run one of these. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> where they'll put the uh, kitchen where the doors or even the entrance to the club where it's like parallel to the stage. Yeah. So you got constantly people running in and out. That is the worst, man. You yeah. want all the staff hidden, and you want all the bar noise hidden, too. That's why a lot of great comedy clubs, they don't have a bar in it. Yeah. <laughs> it's a service bar only. So you never hear the people or see them or anything man because anything that distracts them it ruins your setup you ever been in a situation where right when you're right about to hit a punchline, all of a sudden the blender goes on ring <laughs> uh, there's all kinds of things that go on like uh you're about to hit a punchline, and then and then all of a sudden they got a door that swings open non-stop yeah yeah you know or you got a bathroom that's right next to the stage and people are constantly going there it's all, you know, it's all, it, people don't think about when they're building a club. They're just like, yeah, let's get the people in here and get rich. Well, you know, <coughs> we, have, we have people to contact us on occasion about doing comedy at uh, various venues, and um, uh, we'll go in and talk with, and there's literally been places where I go, you can't do it here. Yeah. You can't <laughs> go, well, we're going to pay you. We're going to give you, what, is it money? And I go, well, it's, yeah, it's money, but we can't do it here because it'll fail miserably. Yeah. You know, uh, and I, I uh, owned a club uh, uh, 20 years ago, and... Um, I had a waitress who got came in one time and said to me, she was a new waitress, she goes, you know, if those comedians would just be a little quieter, uh, I could sell more drinks. And I go, yeah. that's the reason. You know, and a lot of times wait staff, so it, there's a lot of work that goes, because it's a very delicate, comedy is a delicate flower. It really is. Yes. You know, wait staff, it's funny you say that, because the, sometimes they're the worst part of the club, because they don't even want to be there. So they're just like, you know, and they're just like grim. So when yeah. you come into a club and you're like, hey, what's going on? They're like, uh, and you go, oh, this is going to be terrible this weekend. <laughs> I'm just looking at well, shit faces. <laughs> when, I, when I used to tour, <laughs> I, would get, I would find new clubs, you know, you, and in those days it was more difficult to do because there weren't no internet and, there was, you know, you had to dial your phone. And But I'd find new clubs. I'd call them up and go, I'm a comic. I'm out of Los Angeles. And they go, well, do you want to come in now or yeah. do you want to wait like a year till we're really up and running? And they go, oh, I'll come in now. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> And oftentimes you come in, and the wait staff. There was a club in Detroit where you walked in, and the wait staff was all dressed in like uh, girls were like in tux waitress, cocktail waitress, thing, and they would line up. Uh. They go, they they pick you up in a limo and go. The comic's on his way, and uh, we're going to bring you by the club first. You can meet everybody. You go, ah, okay, yeah. you know. And everybody's lined up, and they go, hi, how are you? And, you know, and then, but like a couple years later, you're gonna, don't touch the waitresses, don't look at anybody, yeah. don't talk to anybody. Yeah. Uh, you immediately leave the club, don't do any drugs within a five mile radius. <laughs> 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 Are you the one that got Susie pregnant? It was just, you know, That's you see funny. that change, yeah. I want, I want to, there's a, if you're a new comic, there's an amazing thing on uh, YouTube where Ralphie May does like an hour and a half of the do's and don'ts for upcoming comics. And it was funny because he, describe things that you don't think about one of them was don't fuck the staff and for for obvious reasons you're like oh all right yeah but the reason he said which was great was he goes you go in you fuck the chick and then you leave and you never talk to her again she's angry and mad at you and then one day the owner's talking to the staff he's like thinking about bringing uh, billy bob back and then the 
the girl's like, oh, no, he bombed bad and no one was here, remember? It really, sure. really didn't. And the owner doesn't remember. He's like, oh, all right, well, f- well we won't bring him back then. And she just cut you off from yeah. work, you know? Well, that can happen. I saw uh, in Lansing, uh, Michigan, I was working at a club one time, and uh, I'm hanging out afterwards. I knew the owner. And he's literally polling the staff. Should we have this comic? And they and the staff was based on whether they were good tippers or not. Right. And since this guy had to live with this staff 52 weeks a year. Yep. And since, unless the guy was extraordinary. If the guy was, like, really good, like most comics that were coming through were really good. You know, unless the guy was extraordinary, all right, they're off the list. So I'm not saying that that should be part of, you know, your thought process when you're going into a club. But it does matter. When I realized when I was touring that um, I think a lot of comics have the idea that the place doesn't exist till they show up. Right. They show up and they're the reason. And, uh, yeah, that's stupid, man. Yeah, and then when I realized, I go, wait a minute, these people will be here on the phone, greeting people, cooking burgers. You know, the day after I leave, this is their job. This is how they make their living. You know, that uh, I really had an attitude change and it extended my career at least six more months. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I toured the biggest comedians in the world. I'm lucky. Like, I work with Mark Marin and Burr and... Uh, and you know these guys are uh, class acts, so they yeah. te- they teach you all the right ways on the on the uh, on your way up. But I, I've also worked with some comedians early on that were on their way down and very bitter. Yeah, and they're just like they're giving you all the wrong shit. Like, yeah, fuck this guy, and this place sucks, and and these people, man, watch out for them, and that it's all negative energy, and. Uh, I, I don't need that. I'm on the way up. I'm yeah, enjoying definitely. the ride. You know what I mean? I think Burr's probably, I mean, he's up there in, uh, of the guys have come on in the last 20 years. Yep. You know, I mean, he's up there top five. Absolutely. 100%. And he's a great friend of mine and he's, he's helped me uh, beyond, you know, my podcast is on his network, all things comedy he has a great network and, and he, uh, He's a great guy, man. He helps people behind the scenes, doesn't look for them. Look at me, I'm helping people. Yeah. I'm doing stuff for people you don't even know, you know? His uh, muffin bit, I think, is one of the great stand-up comedy bits. Yeah, you yeah. Know? That's an old bit, but yeah, the yeah. one where he's at the uh, the farmer's market. With his girlfriend. Look at these muffins I made. <laughs> and it's all going on. The beauty of the bit is that it's all going on in his head. Yeah. There's really no action. He just, you know, the character that he's talking about, him in the story is doing nothing just yeah. standing there yeah but in his mind yeah. all this stuff is going on until it what's going on in his mind affects him till he's laughing like it's one of the great stand-up bits i mean uh i love louis ck yeah but sometimes i think burr just kind of to me i go i think burr if you're gonna judge that sort of thing it's like george c scott went how the hell can you judge acting yeah you know when he refused to take his oscar for Patton, he goes look if we all did Patton, the five guys did Patton, and i was the best Patton." Then yeah. yeah, he goes, but are you going to judge me against a Shakespeare movie? This is ridiculous. Yeah. Fuck it, I'm not taking it. <laughs> so how do you, uh, you know, I mean, how, how you judge? I mean, I enjoy them both sincerely, you know. I mean, there's a yeah, lot of yeah. great guys. I can't judge those two. They're two of the greatest. I mean, CK is one of the reasons I do comedy. Yeah. You know, I saw him before I was doing comedy about maybe a year before, and I was like, wow. Because I hadn't watched comedy since the uh, late 80s, early 90s, you know. Uh, last time I checked into comedy, it was Chris Rock and Seinfeld. Yeah. You know, those are gods to me. And before that, it was Richard Pryor and Carlin and Cheech and Chong. Uh, those were gods to me. But then I, pu- I was on the road playing music forever. Uh, I, you know, and then, of course, I got into Bill Hicks and, and stuff like that. But they were few and far between. 
Now there's a good 10 comics that blow my mind, like full next level stuff, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it's a. I don't know. We, we could be in a comedy renaissance right now. We could absolutely. be a comedy glut. I mean, you, you tend to think it's a renaissance oh, right now? Oh, absolutely, man. I mean, every you, there's so many different great comedians and scenes and uh the rest of this show could be us naming yeah it's like we haven't even got it like galifianakis kumail yeah. pete yeah. home jeselnik jeselnik yeah. Yeah. Tosh. I mean, like whole, just whole like, different boom. scene you know what i mean it's there's a million like, tj tj miller man i mean it's unbelievable rogan crushing it out there uh also still chris rock chris, <laughs> yeah, he hasn't chris gone rock. anywhere we yeah. were just talking about how we watched him work some new stuff out at the store, oh, and it God. was the best stuff he's ever done. <laughs> you know, and this is just recently. You, you know? know, and and uh, from my and I haven't I haven't seen him or talked to him in, in like decades, but from what I remember, I mean, just one of the nicest guys, Chris Rock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, I mean, you know, that guy's. Uh, there's certain guys in comedy that uh, like what he's done for like Leslie Jones and stuff. Got her on Saturday Night Live. I mean that that kind of stuff, like giving back to the community and stuff, is yeah. just those are the dudes, man. Because they know they they can't have it all, you know. No, bring some other people in. And yeah, and, he's, you know, and you know he's one of those guys whose career almost went away. That Saturday Night Live was not a great experience for him, right? And uh, it, it was almost like he was he was at the point where he could have easily disappeared, and uh, because of his artistry, because of his his drive. He was able to pull it back and become, you know, not only one of the biggest names in stand-up, but he's also, you know, he's a producer, yep. you know, and, and helps a lot of people. Just did that movie. Top five, yeah. I mean, Marin. You know I, what? He's I, not a dancer. Let's yeah. be honest about it. He can't do everything. He I can't th- fucking I think, dance. I don't know. I haven't seen Chris Rock's block party or whatever in a while. Did he dance <laughs> in that? He might have danced. He might have danced. I think <laughs> no one's done more for comedy than Marin, though. I mean, just because of the podcast, he really uh, blew up that format. He did, and then uh, he brought comedians into people's uh, into people's heads on their way to work, and realizing these people are uh, are radical artists who live outside the box. You know, no nine to five. Whether uh, they went to or not. Yeah, I started at forty four. You know, and that's incredible. I mean, yeah. at forty four, most guys are it's it's either happened or it's not going to happen. Yep. Yeah, and so you, you, I mean, so that's a, that's kind of a real inspirational thing. And now you're forty five. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to be fifty in two months. You know, yeah. happy but birthday. I've done over almost three thousand shows. So he's also been saying he's going to be fifty in two months for five years. For five years. Well, I felt like fifty ten years ago. Dean's the best looking 80 year old you've ever seen in your life <laughs> did you two know one another before you got here this week yeah absolutely we yeah we do a uh, podcast together yeah. oh okay yeah okay yeah right. bitchin on all things comedy it's live tuesdays at 2 30 pacific you guys this, are we mountain we're mountain like we don't yeah. change time but like we, it's like fuck yeah. it or whatever yeah, 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 <laughs> we don't change time but time changes for us yeah, yeah. time changes everybody because uh, you know <laughs> I, I travel back to los angeles quite often and sometimes you're getting back and you're you're picking up an hour and sometimes you're coming back and you're losing this an is, hour yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah rob are you still drunk the intern are you still yeah. drunk because you just you know you're playing music in the studio Listen, I uh, I want to thank you guys so much for coming Thanks in, for man. Having us, and uh, man. Uh, you know, uh, reading both your bios and uh, uh, looking at your stuff, I go. I, I told Shirley, I'm really excited. I, I like, you know, I know a lot of people in the business. Yeah. And then when I get a, an opportunity to meet people who are new in the business, who are doing the cool things you guys are doing. Uh, it's a it makes a great morning for me. So I want to thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, uh, I'd li- I want to mention once again that these two gentlemen will be at the Laugh Factory at ScottsdaleLaughFactory.com 
ScottsdaleLaughFactory.com, where Rob the in- and, and here at Comedy Schools Radio, where Rob the intern is. What are you? You're playing like old Archie's Bang Shang Lang. It's sad, really, man. You're strung out. I think it's the video he just took the video and now he's playing the video back yeah. everything is live Rob, man. we're right here you can see us here okay we're gonna uh we're gonna take a break and when we come back um as chuck Berry used to say in the gong show more stuff you're listening to this american podcast comedy edition on comedyschoolsradio.com